This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as a very model of a modern media mogul, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair, I am honored to have Maria Ressa. She's the CEO of Rappler. It's a news website based in the Philippines that started as a Facebook page. Before co-founding the company in 2011, she was an investigative reporter at CNN, and she's a hero in journalism. I, you'll find out why as you start to talk about it. She has been doing some stuff that puts her site in danger and puts herself in danger of what's happening in the Philippines, which is reprehensible. In any case, welcome to Recode Decode. Thanks for having me. So, Maria, I want you to tell your story. You gave a speech. You just won an award at the International Center for Foreign Journalists at an event I was at. And you gave a speech talking about what's happening. I want you to go through everything of the founding of Rappler and why you did what you did in your career. But at the end, you said, we're going to hold the line. And I want to get to that, to understand what you mean by that. It was incredibly inspiring. You don't get inspired these days by much, but this really inspired me. I don't get inspired by anything. So talk about your journey. You started off as a CNN. You started off before that as a journalist somewhere else in the Philippines. I, you know, it's funny. Before they were called startups, I started. I went to the Philippines on a Fulbright, going mm -hmm. the other way. I grew up in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. You know, when martial law was declared, my family left the Philippines and came to the United States. So you, States. you were originally in the Philippines? I was born there, mm -hmm. and then I, uh, my family came here in 1972, 73. How old were you, a baby? Or? I was 10 years old. Right. And then I, I grew up in New Jersey. I went to school in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. When I graduated, I didn't know what I wanted to be. What did your parents do in the Philippines? Um, well, they both worked in the United States mm -hmm. at that point. Oh, they moved to, but what they had they done previously? My mother was working for government at that point. Mm -hmm. And then my father, my stepfather is Italian-American, mm -hmm. so he adopted me. That's the name right. Ressa. Right. So when I grew up here, I was like, I got to figure out who I am because, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood where no one was really brown. Mm -hmm. I mean, there right. were two families who right. were Filipino. Right. So I, I applied for Fulbright. I went back to the Philippines in 1986, the People Power Movement. Mm -hmm. And at that point, that Corazon was when... Aquino. Corazon Aquino. And that People Power Movement triggered all of these pro-democracy movements all around right. the world, right? Right. Um, and then... At that point, CNN, I had very little reporting experience, and mm -hmm. they said— Did you want to be a journalist? Would you, had you— I was supposed to go to law school. I had a corporate job waiting. Mm -hmm. I was waiting. I mean, I didn't know really know what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I was caught up in this fever of people power. Mm -hmm. It was amazing, yeah. and I thought that— A lot of hope. Oh, my gosh. 
and that I think fueled my entire career. Right? Mm-hmm. So in, in talk 19- about what people power was for people who don't know. Like let's assume the millennials are not quite up to speed on their Filipinos. The end of twenty one years of a dictatorship, martial mm-hmm. law of Ferdinand Marcos, mm-hmm. whose son with his, his name wife is, Imelda with his wife with Imelda the and the shoes. Yeah. Right, his son now ran for vice president, became a senator. His mother is uh, is a congresswoman mm-hmm. in the Philippines. They're back in power. Mm-hmm. He's contesting that he's vice president. And that recount is going on. But for me, it was going back to the Philippines and then feeling this rush, trying to figure out identity. That things could change. That things were changing. Right, right. And that we could be part of it. And it was much more exciting than being a cog in a wheel in New York City. Right, right, right. right exactly. Um, and let's to be clear, Ferdinand Marcos, as comical as he was, and the same thing with Imelda, with their spending, was a brutal dictator. Well, um, <laughs> 3,200 plus people killed in nine years, mm-hmm. but that's now rivaled by the, the casualties in the drug war, which mm-hmm. Philippine police claim they've killed 5,000 people in the drug war. Mm-hmm. But human rights activists put that number at 12,000 plus, 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 plus. plus. But this was a, was a country that was under the, a brutal dictatorship yeah. and then was not. And then was not. And I think part of what happened was, unlike, say, South Africa, we never had justice commissions. We papered over it. We grew. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Right, yeah. right. So what happened after that is uh, I started a little company. Well, explain why they didn't. They didn't because it would have been too volatile, right? There was too much. You, you... Do you remember Corazon Aquino was a housewife? Yes, she was. Who was then voted in as president, contested right. elections, mm-hmm. and then... Marcos was the Marcoses were flown out by mm-hmm. the United States, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden she was president. Right. So this is a housewife who'd never run a country. Right. You know, we had and tons of problems. debts. Right. Um, while no, she was a moral them. leader, there were lots of things that that had lots of problems that needed to be solved. Right. Running after the Marcoses who were already outside. Sure. Mm-hmm. We began a process. Right. And that process just ended like last week when Imelda right. Marcos now is found guilty mm-hmm. of setting up Swiss bank accounts, foundations that were. Yeah. How long did that take? 30 yeah. some odd years, right. 33 exactly. years, right? Exactly. She's still alive. She's, still She's definitely very yeah, much that's alive. Yeah, that's right. I was and, sort of yeah. surprised when I saw it. I was like, what? Corey Aquino is dead. Yeah. Imelda Marcos. Yeah. Is alive. yeah. All right. So, she, so this happened. You got excited about it and you went over to CNN. Well, so I. I started first. Before I did CNN, I, I along with a, f- a friend who hired me, right, said, come stay in the Philippines. And we mm-hmm. started something that was like our local version of 60 Minutes. We mm-hmm. wanted the anchor who was doing it. I was a producer director behind the scenes. Had you ever done journalism? No. <laughs> no. no. You it just was, thought, this is cool. I walked into a television station and I learned journalism by doing it. It was mm-hmm. amazing. And um, so we started this, that's little startup, before it was called a startup, we just called it an independent production house, mm-hmm. Probe. That is still alive today. And at the same time, that same year, CNN came and said, we want you to be a, our reporter. And when I when I taped a stand-up, because they right. wanted to see what it looked like, right. my boss at that time then sent it back and said, uh, Put makeup on, wear a suit, and go drink some brandy so your voice gets deeper. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> it wow. was really funny. Right, yeah, yeah. And you did that. I stayed with C. I joined CNN mm-hmm. first uh, as a freelancer. Then I became Manila bureau chief. Mm-hmm. And then that lasted a decade. And then I became Jakarta bureau chief. And I wound up covering every single transition of Southeast Asian countries from autocratic one-man rule to democracy. Mm-hmm. Right. And... 
of course, the irony now is, am I covering the pendulum swing you back? You are absolutely covering the pendulum swing back. So oh. you so you did that. Sorry, I'm sorry to give you that information, but I think it's pretty pretty clear what's happened. So you did that. And, and what's it like working for a global news organization like that? It's the power. Did you feel like you had any impact or what was the— Huge. Uh, I loved it. I learned. I felt like I was at the front, mm-hmm. the front line of history. Literally, when people are trying to run away, you're trying to find your way in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a conflict reporter. I worked in war zones. I there's a, an adrenaline for that, right? Sure. And it's addictive. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, at a certain point, after maybe I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years, I was like. Uh, but I'm not building anything myself. Mm-hmm. You know, how I keep writing about how everyone else is doing right. these great things, but right. I want to build something. Right. Where was that from? From your parents? From what? I don't know. I just, I mean, we write and talk to amazing people, right? Right. right. You get jealous. Like, right. after all, if it's it's over, is it just air? Right. Especially if you do television, right? Right, right. Um, and so for me, it was like, I, I, it was also an identity. I wanted mm-hmm. to decide... Am I American or am I Filipino? Who right. am I really? And where am I going to live? Right. And so you decided to stay there and do this. I stayed in the Philippines. Right. I left. And what I, was that like, the transition? You were an American. It was a group. Was, was there a, very, a lot of family still there? There's a lot of family still in the Philippines. There's yes and no. Most of my, my immediate family is in the United States. Right. But for me, I made the choice to be Filipino because I thought it was a a country putting itself together. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the impact, partly education and thinking and the things that I had learned from CNN uh, when I was offered the top job in the the top television network Mm -hmm. there, I was like, I can do a lot of things. Imagine Mm -hmm. going from a reporter, a bureau chief with four people Mm -hmm. to managing a thousand people. Mm -hmm. They, that's a huge responsibility. I was able to like revamp standards and ethics manuals. We Mm -hmm. were able to do training for a lot. It was amazing. My exponential learning curve, you know, it was, and then you have a vision. And then I be, Without ABS-CBN, which is, mm-hmm. that was the news group that I ran. Mm-hmm. Um, it had multimedia platforms. I had to learn how to f- do cable, radio, <laughs> right. television, right. and the difference between business and mission. Right, right. And then after that, I realized, after six years of doing that, I was, um, hmm. CNN, right. Sorry, ABS-CBN. Yes, right. So from CNN— You went to ABS-CBN. Yeah. The one thing about CNN that was interesting is I always was on the edge. Right. Right. So we, it was like we were in the provinces, and whatever we did took two weeks to, to, get to right. actually get to the consciousness. Right, and you made it onto the air a lot. Yeah. Well, because we had these right, people, great power stories. movements, right? right. These right. democracy right. things. Suharto, the end of 32 years, maybe mm-hmm. 32 years of one right. man. Right. That's an incredible thing. And right. I think for me it was— This I was, is in Indonesia. I, yes, I was fascinated. I'm sorry, I'm going to tell people who don't no, follow No, please. <laughs> sorry. I'm, I know I'm my insider. <laughs> I'm certain my children don't. So, But I, I was fascinated by how leaders worked. Right. How, de- how they made decisions, how they put their idea, individual ideas with their emotions, and how values ultimately determine the structure of the society Absolutely. they created. Right. And so you then went off to this other group. So I went to ABS-CBN and mm-hmm. I went home. Right. I took all my do- dollars and I turned it to pesos. I decided I was going to be Filipino and mm-hmm. I and I took back my Filipino passport. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did that for six years. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. But when you're re- managing a traditional news group, mm-hmm. the first things I did was I had an industrial engineering person follow every single person. Mm-hmm. You're just optimizing for efficiency. Right. You want to make sure everyone is optimized, right? right. Using tech word. Right. 
but in the end, then it comes back down to money. Right. And I, at a certain point, when we were optimized, I was like, I'm, I don't want to make money. I, right. I'm kind of bored. And then the, here's this internet that nobody was looking at because mm-hmm. you put all your best people in your primetime newscast mm-hmm. and your third wrong people are the ones on the internet. Right. Yeah. It's always the young people or the third or, or the people, the who, people who are just who, fussing who, around. Often. Right. So right. at that point, I was like, no, I mean, it was time. I We were getting yanked into the power structures of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, let's, I left. Say that. What do you mean yanked into the power structure of the Philippines? When you're managing the largest as you, if yeah. you're managing the largest yep. news group in any country, right, power, you have a pact with power as you have a mm-hmm. social pact with the people. Mm-hmm. And I don't, that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do stories. I wanted to have impact. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, and it wasn't just me. There were enough of us that mm-hmm. at a certain point we, I said, oh, here's that. I negotiated f- with the Abu Sayyaf and Al-Qaeda link group. So when I was with CNN, I did terrorists, mm-hmm. the growth of terrorism in Southeast Asia. Yes, and Looking at these social networks, social network analysis is actually the foundation of Rappler. Mm -hmm. If you can chart, if people can spread this evil ideology that Mm -hmm. will make people kill themselves, become suicide bombers, why can't the good guys use social networks to spread ideas the other way? Well, that was the original idea. So I drank the Kool-Aid. Right, right. I did. Had you been an active internet user? I mean, I learned. You, you know, when I left as the head of ABS-CBN, mm-hmm. I, 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 I thought I can. We can put television in your pocket, mm-hmm. and that, think of that immense power. This is what year? Explain what year. This is 2010. I right, left. Which was later too. Yeah, yeah. Right. It had been happening. YouTube, obviously, other things. There was a lot going on, but it wasn't as organized. It wasn't as organized, mm-hmm. and it wasn't as chaotic. And people in your areas were on phones more than anything else. A it lot was more. not. It was not a computer. Society. It was a mobile, like as in China, as in a lot of Asia. We actually leapfrogged development over the computer, right? right? 100%. We went, right. 100%. Just like Myanmar. And right. So for Myanmar, me, it was China, Thailand, every, Vietnam, all of them. So the idea behind Rappler was we're going to use this new technology and journalism to build communities of action. Mm-hmm. We live in a country that uh, has endemic corruption where institutions are extremely weak, leadership is personalistic, and here are all these people who just want a better life. Why can we not use this technology to build So did that make you a journalist or a social activist? Mm, you're a traditional journalist <laughs> in that question. Yeah. I think for me, it's the natural course of journalism. I, I do too. Was. I agree. That's what I am. But yeah. it doesn't matter. I just, yeah, I'm a journalist. Though, <laughs> but that's but a I'm question not... by the old guard, right? Right. right. Yeah. Well, it was an interesting—the reason I'm asking is because— uh, I think I'm the la- the latter, both. Like, not a social activist, but an activist in some way. Like, I want to have my stuff to have impact. I think we've been to forced change. to be activists right. now. But um, see, the word activism is so loaded. I think it's more impact. Your impact journalism or, li- you know, live journalism, impact journalism. Things happen from your work. And I think that's the part I'm interested in. But isn't that, so originally that was the idea of journalism, right? We do these stories and they're supposed to impact our world. But when I was with CNN, I do these stories and they go into a black box. Mm -hmm. And then it's partly positioned in a Western way that when it hits my audience where I am, they don't necessarily see it that way. Right. So I think journalism was doing that, but they were pretending they weren't. Like they yes. weren't. They, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I was came up in Watergate that things happened because someone decided to be really irritating, like and <laughs> and, and persistent. And the same thing, whether you're covering technology or healthcare or whatever it is, that's what happens. You have an I- impact. 
I think at a certain point also, if you're focused on it, you wind up getting all sides and the players themselves don't have all those perspectives. Right. And you, That's right. you become an expert right. at it. Right, exactly. Like, let me tell you what's actually happening right. here. So why did you call it Rappler? I'm just, what was the, so, you, so leave, the 80s. you leave your bigger group, your bigger job again, once again. I wrote. My second book is From Bin Laden to Facebook. Mm -hmm. In 2011, mm -hmm. I was writing about how, I mean, it, it was before ISIS, but it was exactly what ISIS was doing, right, right. right? And the ideas that I explored then are the same ideas that are inside Rappler. Mm -hmm. the, what does Rappler stand for? What is that? Rap. 80s. I right. grew up in the right. okay. 80s right. to talk right. plus ripple to make waves. I see. Okay. Um, All right. And in our first few years, we were growing 100 to 300 percent. We were creating these communities, mm -hmm. social media for social good. Right. You know, much and as doing I, reporting with it. Reporting is the core. Right. Reporting right. is what you feed your communities mm -hmm. of action. Right. 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 Because in the end, the end goal is, I mean, people don't just read this stuff and don't do anything with right. it. So if you're doing a story on climate change, what's what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Are you going to sit there? Mm -hmm. That was the idea of Rappler. And we were able to, Facebook, mm -hmm. we were able to help Facebook grow. Mm -hmm. Social media for social good. That was right. the, the, the beginning of it. Right, and we're going to get to that in a little well, bit. But Facebook also helped us grow. Right, right. Because you, you started as a Facebook page. Why did you start as a Facebook page? I wanted to see. Did I need this tech? This is 2011, right? 2011. Right. For six months, we tried Facebook, but it was chaotic. There was no search. So I knew that we, this is while we were building our own platform. Mm -hmm. But for me, if Facebook could have done it, I would have done, I would have stayed there. Because in right. the end, it was about just reaching. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, after you work for CNN, where you're reaching 200 million people, I was... To not have that and start from scratch, right? that was the biggest challenge. So just having an internet site wasn't good enough, right? Well, I think like television, like right. mass, right? Mass, right. Yep. And versus, that, yeah. Versus. Because in the end, I think if you do good investigative journalism, you don't want to you don't want to be in an empty church. Right, exactly. That's a fair point. So a website would have been that and getting, I find it pointless to have websites anymore. <laughs> I do. I said that the other day and all my staff just went, I'm like, what do you have? A, what, what's the point of it? And they're like, what? I'm like, well, there's other ways to get your work out. And that's what I was trying to get at. It's like, you have to think really hard about where your work's getting out. So you do this, you get funding for, you do, initially was a uh, not, right? Is that correct? Or no? So initially there were four or five of us above 40 and we had, you know, one of our, our when we all came together, we had, we were mid-career and mm -hmm. senior. Mm -hmm. And so we chipped in. We, we raised among ourselves, our seed fund is $2 million. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we were shocked. We started with 12 people and in a year and a half, we grew to 75 people and we mm -hmm. became the third top online news site. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. And then we bought into this tech idea of you have pump prime growth by growing, mm -hmm. bringing in more people. So we capped it. I capped it at about 100 people in Rappler. That's mm -hmm. still where we are today. Mm -hmm. And the impact has been, you know, for the little group that we are, our impact is huge in the mm -hmm. Philippines. Apparently, that's part of the reason President Duterte yeah, we're get that. Yeah. <laughs> likes us so much. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, which is to say he hates you. Um, so, uh, so we'll get to that in a minute because I, I do want to have a serious discussion about that. Um, they so you you got funding from outside because that leads to where we are today. You got funding from the in Omidyar. 2014. What I did is I wanted to grow to Indonesia. 
Right. I spent a decade in Indonesia, and right. I felt here's what what no, the Philippines and Indonesia has. Right. Right. Uh, the Philippines is a hundred million people. The median age is twenty three years old. Mm-hmm. It's a young population, mm-hmm. and we are all on cell phones. The the right. cell phone reach is a hundred and fourteen percent. Indonesia is the same. Two hundred and thirty to two hundred fifty million people, mm-hmm. and the median age is twenty two to twenty three years old. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to grow in Indonesia, and how am I going to do that? I can take money from local tycoons in the Philippines who will have political interests. Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested. And I said, who can I look at in the world right. who will be interested in the same questions and the same things that right. we're trying who to do? Who are going to try to manipulate you? Technology for civic engagement. That mm-hmm. was what we were after, and I mm-hmm. wanted to build. So I raised another, maybe it's about $3 million, mm-hmm. and, and these were our foreign— they came in through a legitimate, constitutionally They're recognized— They're investors. Um, They're investors. They, they are they investors. They invest globally. And they're uh, in the Philippines, in Rappler, they invested in something called Philippine Depository Receipts. Mm-hmm. It's a special class. They had to have believed in us a lot because mm-hmm. they have absolutely no say in the way we run the business. Mm-hmm. They can't sit on the board. They can't tell us what to do, but they mm-hmm. give us the money. Right, which and, is the same way to do investments. And imagine that is what Omidyar Network and North Base Media. Um, right, and this is Marcus Broccoli, Marcus who Broccoli. I used to work with at the Wall Street Journal. I know very well. Uh, that's right. Yes. Right. Oh, I know Marcus super Marcus well. and I were reporters together. Mm-hmm. He was there. He was based in Tokyo what, during the fall of Suharto. Mm-hmm. He would fly in while I was Jakarta. Yeah, he would at the Journal. And then he and then Pierre I've known since he was at General Magic. I go way back with Pierre. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I know Pierre and Pam very well. And the Amidiar Network is doing that. I mean, he he opened the thing in Hawaii. Yes. Uh, his his effort. He's been doing trying this, and obviously the Intercept and other things where he's been trying to have impact social good journalism really is what it is. He's had a rock. He's had a, I remember talking to him. I'm like, oh, you're going to, they're going to talk up at you, Pierre. You better get ready to be talked back to by your journalists. But he, that's his area. He, you'd be the perfect person for him to invest in. Like, and in we loved it because right. they, you know, they gave the money and there was absolutely, no they time. let us do what we well, wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, we were their first large media investment in the Philippines. Right. That was right. A, also a feather in the cap of Filipinos. Right, exactly. So they invest this money, and when we get back, we're going to find out what happened and where it's gone from there. We're here with Maria Ressa. She is the CEO of Rappler, which is a Philippines-based news site, but it's a lot more than that, and it's, a, it's sort of the flashpoint for journalism in the planet, I think, like and where things are going. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before— Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
We're here with Maria Ressa. She's the CEO of Rappler. Rappler is a news site. Uh, I don't know. What is it? A social activist news site? What, you, what I mean, in the end. Anarch- what's your description? <laughs> social news network is what we called ourselves at the very beginning, but our core is investigative journalism. Investigative journalism, right. And yeah. we have, a, I think what makes us different from other news groups is we have a civic engagement arm. That's right. Okay. So you all, and you operate in both uh, Indonesia and the Philippines and have gotten funding and stuff like that. We we're talking about that. And so you took this investment. Um, so that's about $5 million in investment now. And I know the economics of these things. And you make money how? What was the— was We were the first in the Philippines to do native advertising native in 2012. Right? right. So at that point, it was new in the Philippines, and we were able to take a, a large chunk of the new digital ad spend. Right. My end goal was, if I looked at that, I was like, if I take 1%, I'm going to be really happy because I can mm-hmm. pay people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wound up taking, you know— 15%, which mm-hmm. was actually okay mm-hmm. outside but it's of— an advertising-based business, not subscription. Advertising-based, right. Not subscription. Not subscription. You know, I, I work in a country where people are, poor. are struggling to put food right. on the table. Mm-hmm. And those are the people I want to reach. Right. So I don't want to ask them to pay for it. So talk about the kind of investigative stories you started to do. Well, the ones that got us in trouble right yeah. now, right? right. Um, so if you look—well, I'll go talk about our people. Our The core founders of Rappler have always looked at— corruption. Mm-hmm. So the woman who wrote two books on corruption in the judiciary, the woman who wrote a book on corruption in the military, I looked at terrorism. And we had spent our careers and we figured, you know, how do we solve these problems? How can we do better in the mm-hmm. future? Um, I guess suppose that's activism, but it mm-hmm. just makes sense if you yeah. live in the country I live in, right? right, right. Then after that, what, what we wound up doing was <laughs> to take these young people, we wound up becoming the millennial site, but our core was investigative journalism. Mm -hmm. Uh, What got us in trouble with President Duterte is we focused on, we were the first two and a half years before the United States started talking about disinformation. We saw, because of our partnership with Facebook, we saw this exponential attacks on social media that began Mm -hmm. in July of 2016. The same year, the same month that the drug war began. Let me sorry, set the table for, for people who don't know what this horrible man has done. Why don't I say, I think the Philippines is the cautionary tale for the United States. I said that in December of 2016. I think we're the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. In May 2016, Pre- President Duterte gets elected. Mm-hmm. Rudy Duterte gets elected. He tells people he's Tell going he to is. kill. Uh, Rudy Duterte... Uh, since 1988, on and off, has been mayor of Davao City. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is known for being uh, uh, for taking the law into his hands, mm-hmm. for killing people. DDS, Davao Death Squads. Mm-hmm. That's how he rid the city of we crime. Saw it in Salvador under uh, correct, and he and that's mm-hmm. what he did. That's actually fueled mm-hmm. by what was happening there. Right. And then with this new propaganda, it's also let me just be clear, it's, it's similar to what happened under what's his name? Oh God, that horrible, another horrible person. I hope is dead. He, he had death squads there, and they were sort of—they were very religious. It was very moralistic. Shining. Right. Yeah, but in there it was it was actually Colonel—what's oh, his name? So Mosa ran it, and then this guy came in and it's was doing most of the—I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Me too. But he was a, he was a colonel, and he, he did that. And it was very um, oriented towards religion and moralism and, anthrop- you know, that we are here cleaning up the country. That's, that's Doesn't the that all sound familiar? Yes, it does. So— yeah. So this is Duterte. He was a populist leader. He's a guy who says what he thinks. Mm-hmm. In 2015, I interviewed him before he decided to run, and he said, I am going to kill people. 
And then he said, uh, I asked him, have you killed people? He said, I have killed people. And right. he admitted to killing three people. John Oliver uses mm-hmm. this clip uh, when he gets elected in mm-hmm. May 2016. Um, why is the, the Philippines— um, Why was he elected? Strongman. People love a strongman, He He said that he was going to fix all the problems. He mm-hmm. didn't care about the details. Right. And people didn't care about the details. They mm-hmm. just wanted—he is somebody who was perceived as strong. He has a track record in Davao mm-hmm. City. Davao people seemed happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said things politicians didn't say. Mm-hmm. He was funny. He was charming. Mm-hmm. He threatened to kill. Mm-hmm. He also was extremely sexist mm-hmm. and misogynist. Mm-hmm. In, in many ways, but his defenders would say, but look at what he did for women in Davao City. Mm-hmm. Safer. Well, yeah, but mm-hmm. not yeah. really. No, I got that. I <laughs> yeah. know that. Right. Yeah. That was their sell. Correct. And we bought it. Mm-hmm. So he wins the elections in May 2016. A month later, you have Brexit. And mm-hmm. then November, you have Trump. Right. The reason I, I, I focus on that is I think that this is Facebook. This is social media's impact, right? Mm -hmm. I think globally, our values had changed so much. Change had come so fast with different leaders that people were looking for some sense of stability. Right. That makes sense. And when you put 2.3 billion people on a platform, all of a sudden, you have no more boundaries of nation states. Right. And one lie here spreads globally immediately. Right. And so what happened in the Philippines is that... uh, all of the tactics that you're now seeing in the United States, what in in the, uh, you're calling it disinform the Russian propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we had it. Mm-hmm. it, we saw it, we documented it, we had the data. In August of 2016, I gave that data to Facebook and I said, "This is really alarming. These people are targeting anyone who attacks, who asks questions about the drug war. Mm-hmm. The drug war began in July of 2016. It's targeting journalists. It's targeting anyone who's perceived to be critical." of President Duterte. Mm-hmm. And those attacks are heinous. Mm-hmm. It brings out the worst of Explain human nature. Explain what the attacks were. Very personal. Mm-hmm. Criminal, actually. I will kill you. I will rape you. You are, I mean, I think I've been called every animal you can think of. Mm-hmm. I've, every threat. And women are were targeted. <laughs> I'm, our initial data is saying 10 times more than men. But, right. you know, right. And after you're targeted as a woman, the next step is a sexual attack. Right. And we saw this play out in a senator who used to head human the Human Rights Commission. Her name is Lila DeLima. Mm-hmm. She was one of the first ones to test this. She was attacked on social media and then put in prison, a personal enemy of President Duterte. She's still in prison, mm-hmm. awaiting trial. Mm-hmm. Awaiting trial. That's more than two years now, I think. Right. right? So she, so any, so, but social media was used as a tool to do this, to create... A narrative around these people. Social media is the fertilizer, right? And it's similar to what's happened That's to Rappler. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, we were all of this, the the cases that came up. Foreign, um, you know, the the core account, propaganda account, said Maria and Rappler CIA question mark. Right. right? That was a year before the foreign ownership right. uh, charges came right. out. So they're in court. starting to raise issues about you and call into question, which people who are reading this don't know the difference of. Exactly. But it's a coordinated attack. Very coordinated. And so and what I, happened when you took it to Facebook? <laughs> Beyond the I want to kill you, this, it's more, the, the CIA thing is actually more dangerous in a weird way. If you think about it, besides the personal threats. Yeah, absolutely. The personal threats are meant to pound you into silence. Mm-hmm. They're meant to make you insecure. And, you know, for a little bit, like when you, I, I, after we finished our propaganda series, I was getting 90, 90 hate messages per hour. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, as a journalist, you're like, oh, what? I, I yeah. tried to respond. You don't. 
they didn't care. Right. They were meaning to pound me into right. silence. And by the way, these weren't actual people. Right. Exactly. They Later are. you find out. But then everyone else who's watching. Thinks they get pulled into it. What happens is these bots go into action and then humans also get f- ginned up by it. It's really, it's a, you can watch the bots move and then humans move into it because they think it's real. Right. And so that's, and then they get the courage to be assholes, really. Right. You know, it's fascinating to watch. At one point, a friend of mine who's a New York Times reporter was responding to, to a bunch of hate stuff and I said, that's a bot you're responding to. Stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't talk to the bots kind of thing. But so it, creates I, a, it creates a really bad situation for the journalist. Or whoever. It plays with your head. I think right. this is a, the new attack on journalism. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, uh, it's something we've never dealt with before. It's a psycholo- it's psychological warfare. Yeah, it is. And I think the difference in the Philippines and Facebook has – it's in a footnote in one of their disclosures. We have higher than normal average of fake accounts. Not so much bots. They use the bots to trigger alerts, mm-hmm. and then the humans who are paid so poorly are the ones who come in and attack. Right, exactly. But they're they're bots. I, ca- I consider them bots. Yes, they're humans. yes, they're trolls. So they're yes, trolls. Yeah. So you get this happening, and then they raise the idea that you're CIA. So it's a slow build of we're going to get you, and then the government steps in. A year before the government, um, all of these attacks happened to us on social. As media. you were doing increasing things about climate change, around Duarte, around everything. So we kept doing the drug war. So yeah. what were the two things I think that the this government is the war subset? in which the government is killed killing alleged drug dealers, it turns out they're killing a lot of people. A lot of poor people. Right. It turns out to be a war against the poor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're talking about the police. Well, when you get rid of the poor people, you don't have to deal with the poor people, right? And you spread fear, mm-hmm. right? So violence and fear and lies. That's our environment. That's been our environment for the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And they're both seated on Facebook and on in our reality. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm sorry, when you went to Facebook, what did they say? <laughs> I gave them the data. Uh, the th- two out of the three people that I spoke with in Singapore are no longer with Facebook. Okay. And one of the things that I said is I was trying to tell them how important this is. And I said, look, you've got elections in the United States and Trump could win. Right. And they look at, you know, we all laughed because mm-hmm. in August of 2016, it didn't look like right. that was going to happen. Right. And then when he won, uh, the one person who stayed asked me for the data again. Right. But um, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't go to headquarters. I think the problem is if they're like my, the CNN Jakarta bureau, right? right. They're out in right. the in the in the right. boondocks. Right. You, it's our, the politics of our organization. So I kind of understand that. You did you try to get it anywhere else? I did. I mean, by uh, April of 2017, I had spoken to maybe 50 officials, uh, people who I had worked with, people who knew me, mm-hmm. um, including Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was one of half a dozen CEOs of companies that that worked with Facebook, that mm-hmm. had lunch with him during the F8. Mm-hmm. And then I had a, a small chance to Just talk April to April 2017. 17. Okay, what did you say? So it's on an end. <laughs> we, were, we had signed all these things, but one of the things that was open to everybody, mm-hmm. you know, I said, Mark, 97% of Filipinos on the internet are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I invited him to come to the Philippines because he had to see the impact of this because mm-hmm. you have to understand the impact impact, things mm-hmm. that journalists want to do. Right. He was frowning when I was saying that. And and I said, you know, why, why? And he said, oh, well, um, what are the other 3% doing, Maria? Oh, Jesus. We laughed, right? And uh, you were trying to say this has impact. You better have some rules of the road and you better start policing this. That's what you're asking that, That's imperative. So let, have, you, have you seen the cleaners? Yes. 
So you understand now. This is a documentary about the, who's going through cleaning up social media for Facebook, I think it is, and other sort of— And the, and the other platforms, and platforms right? Tech yeah, platforms. And they're in the Philippines, right? It's a bunch of ladies, right? And different things. And who, how this stuff is being cleaned besides algorithmically. Delete. 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 Uh, d- you know. Yeah, they have two seconds to do it. Right. But here's the problem. Do you realize that freedom of expression— globally is now being determined by, you know, minimum wage earners, people who never signed up for it, people who didn't have the ability to— And then they say they want to leave it to be a free speech platform. It just kills me. I'm like, Freedom of expression is being determined by that. Right, exactly. So that—anyway, you know, at the ICFJ, uh, what I said is that our gatekeeping powers are gone. Right. We trained our whole lives, standards and ethics, right? We Mm -hmm. live to to the mission of Mm -hmm. journalism, and we cleaned up. The public sphere. Mm-hmm. We made sure that democracy could stay alive. Well, now the, the platforms have it. The, the technology platforms have it. And they don't want to do the work. They, they don't, don't want to do, do the work. They don't want to spend the money on it, even right. though they make a lot of money. Right. Well, that's and, why they make a lot of money, because well, they don't yeah, have to exactly. spend the money on it. Exactly. That's why media is such a tough business, and Facebook is not, because they don't do any of the rules. And they don't—in Myanmar, they didn't write the rules till after the killings. It's just—it just goes on and on and on. It just—I just want to— Honestly, it's infuriating on but so many I, I always use this phrase, enlightened self-interest, mm-hmm. in ASEA, uh, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Mm-hmm. That was the whole thing of how we need to work together for our own self-interest. Mm-hmm. Well, I use that with them all the time. You so, have to have enlightened self-interest. So what, was there any result after you said this to Zuckerberg? Not for a very long time. I mm-hmm. mean, and then another friend inside the company actually said, you know, you're going to have to tell your story. And mm-hmm. I said, we do it all the time. We have so many series on this. Right, and, then right. he, and then she said... You have to do it in American media. Right. Thank you, Kara. No problem. You <laughs> so, should call me before this because I would have hit him on the head with the, with the data. Well, I watched all the, your, I mean, yeah. listened to all your interviews with them, you know. But it wasn't until Bloomberg came out with a story in December right. of 2017. Right. So how many years have I been talking about right. this already? Right. And then finally, a month ago, or a few weeks ago, uh, the first, the outermost layer of the onion, the outermost skin has been peeled and Facebook took down pro-Duterte pages in the mm-hmm. Philippines. Mm-hmm. It, and ironically, of course, it's the pro-Duterte pages and pro-Marcos pages. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's exactly what we've been saying. The data is there. Right. That they're being used to abuse. They're using their platform. What I, what I always say is, just with the Russians in this election, is the Russians didn't hack anything. They used, they were customers. Correct. Their customers. They were face. able to figure it out, and they had no morals and ethics, and mm-hmm. so they did what the platforms enabled. Right, exactly. Um, so you've asked them to do this, which I just am angrier than ever. I have to tell you, I'm just like every day, you know, and what infuriates me right now is their response saying it's bullshit and that Mark said this in front of everyone and that they're being attacked. That is the most reprehensible take on some of these criticisms that I can think of. It is reprehensible is what it is. We're frenemies. Right. I am both an alpha. Uh, we were one of the alpha partners. We mm-hmm. are one of their f- two fact-checking partners in the Philippines. And we work with Facebook because, frankly, to me, that's going to be part of our future. Yes, and absolutely. if we don't clean it up in time for our May 2019 elections, mm-hmm. we will—I I can't, I can't even fathom what the world is like. Mm-hmm. I think they're making headway. Mm-hmm. Starting yes. January this year, yes. they hired somebody—Nathaniel Gleitcher, who mm-hmm. used to work in counterterrorism. I think this is the way to deal with this. Right. Right? You have to— look at it as bad networks right. and what do we do with that mm-hmm. and they are going to have to move away from this like free speech thing because free speech is being used to stifle free speech right 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 that's exactly right that's exactly and what you, I always say freedom from speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence 
that's that's what I'm trying to get to them. And it's it's fascinating that just this recent reaction. I thought maybe they got it, and then he went right back like a rubber. Is this piece. recent? Yeah, he's got in front of everyone last Friday and oh said, "This New York Times report is bullshit." We use the word bullshit, which is just such a. What is he, 12? Like, first of all, he's a man with children. Stop it. Like, stop. Like, act like an adult that you should be. Secondly, that we're being under attack. We're going to, like, it's just, it's literally like you need to, like, stop or you need to leave. That's what I, you know what I mean? You need to go or you need to get better. Like, be a better man. And so it's a really interesting thing because the only reason I'm saying I'm focusing on him is he controls 60% of the stock and therefore the whole company. And this is the the problem, right? One he's, person. He's also a 30-something white One person male. who right. didn't finish college. Like, I'm sorry. Like, who doesn't seem to care. And that's the issue. And I, I just, I, the more and more I think about it, the more angry I get. So you you do this. You They come at you then. The go, you're doing this stuff because you want to work with these platforms because they should be for good, like like you said at the beginning. And they can be. They I can still be. believe that totally. if, if they can. They twist the, the dials. It can be about community and involvement and everything else. So you go there, and then the government's turning the screws. They're not just attacking you online. It was yes. just a bunch of rude remarks. This happened on Twitter, too, the same thing. Twitter not, is not as bad as right. Facebook in the Philippines. So you—and it's not as used. It's not as used. Seven, right. Only right. 7% penetration. Right. So you, you go and do this. You get attacked personally— yeah, and, and then explain what happened. So, in the next so section I, we'll talk I actually about. think you know this next phase is better than the exponential attacks on to, on Facebook, right? Because when President Duterte in his second State of the Nation address in July of 2017 singles us out, he doesn't he attacks the top television network, and, mm-hmm. you know, but he singles us out and says this Rappler is foreign owned or 100 percent owned mm-hmm. by foreigners, and I I couldn't help myself because we were live, mm-hmm. so I. I automatically tweeted back, Mr. President, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, you know, I want my independence. Mm-hmm. You know, this is part of the reason we set up Rappler. Mm-hmm. And then within a week, the first investigations began. Right. And then the cases came in. Right. And, Which then is, my, and what are they, they're just suing you So the for? first, I mean, there's six or seven of them. There were seven of them. We actually won one. But um, the, the first, the mother case is that we are being influenced, that we are being controlled by foreigners. All right. Okay. When we get back, we're going to talk about what that means because they also have influence over the courts. Uh, when we get back, we're here with Maria Ressa. She is a Filipino media mogul of a CEO of Rappler, and she's fighting with the very corrupt government there, which is trying to bring her down. We're here with Maria Ressa. She's the CEO of Rappler. Uh, this is just, it is, it's a, it's a canary in the coal mine of, of what could happen elsewhere. Um, it's a very unusual company. This, this country is, has a history of corruption, a massive corruption compared to the United States or anywhere else. So it, it's sort of fertile territory for both the, the technologies of Facebook and everything else to come together. They have lots of lawsuits against you, one of which is tax evasion, is right? Is yes. Lot, they just threw the book at you, right? Yes. The tax evasion one, a uh, uh, Ten days ago, the government just announced mm-hmm. that uh, the Justice Department announced that I would be indicted f- and Rappler Holdings, which is our holding company, and our accountant, poor mm-hmm. accountant, <laughs> KPMG is our accountant here, right? Mm-hmm. But um, uh, indicted because, and here's the case, they reclassified Rappler. Uh, we're not a journalist. We're not mm-hmm. a news group. We are a dealer in securities. Okay. And then they said, okay. All right. Um, All right. Which is wrong. Right. Um, but. You know, it doesn't matter. Now they they 
they were pushing us through to trial. Uh, there isn't enough. I've just looked at our motion for reconsideration, and it is like trying to tell me that I have to like fight to be Maria Ressa. Right. right? It's it's like Alice and well, one of the world. Anything. They're throwing. They had just a bunch of clever lawyers right. coming at you. So it's sort of like Mark Whitaker running the the, the Justice Department there, uh, which is uh, the fix is in. So, but then you have the courts. Is the fix in there too? So President Duterte, by the end of his term, will will appoint thirteen of fifteen Supreme Court justices. Mm-hmm. Anyone in their forties who wants to be a Supreme Court justice. I just hope that you know. In in ICFJ, my appeal is to the men and women inside government who mm-hmm. will touch our case for among them, right? Mm-hmm. But the people who will hold the line. Why do I keep saying hold the line? Yeah. Because I we're not taking a position. Mm-hmm. What we are doing is we are holding the line and letting you know when our our constitution is violated, mm-hmm. when your rights are being taken away from you. Mm-hmm. We want to alert you to that. That's what our journalism is showing. Mm-hmm. We showed them in the using data, we showed them that they were being manipulated. And it, yet it took another year before people really understood mm-hmm. what that meant. Mm-hmm. I think this is, all right, let me pull back. The cool thing about all of this is that we're going to, we're redefining and redesigning the world, mm-hmm. right? I just don't want to be the person that gets jailed because right. we're trying to redefine what journalism is like mm-hmm. in my country. Right. But that's extremely exciting. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, with with leaders like Trump, like Duterte, appealing to the worst of human nature, and then the social media platforms allowing that, allowing exponential lies to be used against truth tellers mm-hmm. to the point that, we have no facts to begin any discussion with. Mm-hmm. We are, I mean, we're throwing everything out. And right. in, in this landscape, there are two people I'm appealing to, the groups. Mm-hmm. One is social media. Mm-hmm. Facebook, yeah, I please convince Mark Zuckerberg, right? I'm trying. I, not <laughs> He's not talking to me anymore. And then the other one is, even though we have one leader, whether you have Trump or whether you have Duterte, in the United States, your institutions work. Right. In my country, institutions are co-opted already. But mm-hmm. there are men and women there who have conscience. Mm-hmm. And these are the values that we're going to put Which in place Which cause Corazon Aquino and everything else. It, it, it does happen. It does happen. So you're going to go back there. You've been traveling. You were here. You were in D.C. And then you were in Paris, correct? Yeah. Accepting some We've kind. received a few awards. Yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> up your awards, Maria. Go ahead. No. And by the way, you have to also do journalism while you're doing this. Like you have to actually, now you've become a cause, but you have to actually put out stories and write about climate change or, you know, corrupt, regular corruption that goes on on a daily basis or discuss the killings, the, the extrajudicial killings right that are happening. Right now, Xi Jinping is, the state visit of China is mm-hmm. happening and my team is doing a great job at it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think that the best part with the founders of Rappler is that we each have our roles. Right. There's somebody who takes care of video because we came from television, someone who takes care of our editorial agenda. Mm-hmm. I take care of making sure that the roof is over our heads. How, how are your investors in that? Are they doubling down on supporting you? So You've got I, some good investors. You know, after all the cases were filed against us, four of seven board directors uh, resigned, mm-hmm. partly because they were also, imagine a cyber libel case, and mm-hmm. they filed the cyber libel case, not just against the editorial, but also against the board. Right, sure. They um, and that's a criminal charge in the Philippines. So for businessmen, I mean, it was just businessmen and women. It was they a had little to too much off. for them, right? Right, so they had to come off. So starting this year— Which you didn't mind, I assume. It's just they have. I mean— this is our mission, right? right and right. and I think some of the debates that we mm-hmm. had, uh, regardless, at the beginning, it was like, how far do you go? Well, we keep telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And because 
the journalists were the largest group of shareholders. We were able to hold the line. Hold right? the line, right. And we kept moving forward. When the cases came, um, we've really been running it on our own. Our, who, our, our investors are behind us. Um, so we actually have two former cabinet secretaries who have come in, and this is a wartime board. This mm-hmm. is a board that knows uh, we have cases against us. We've spent tremendous amount of money, mm-hmm. money we could have used to grow right. on legal to fees. To do journals on legal fees, of course. That's what they're doing. That's why they're doing it. But even our, uh, you know, this is a very specialized instrument. So the this top law firm in, in the Philippines gave us significant discounts. You know, mm-hmm. on a Sunday, I'm sitting around the table and there are 25 lawyers around me. Right. <laughs> That's not where lawyer. I want to be. No. <laughs> no, not at all. So you have all the lawyers. You've got your investors are supporting you. I'm assuming PR yes. Medi- Right well, you know you. what the Omidyar Network did is because they wanted to – it was so ludicrous, the charge. So they actually donated their shares to the journalists mm-hmm. in Rappler. Mm-hmm. So the 14 of us took the PDRs, the mm-hmm. Philippine Depository Receipts. Mm-hmm. And they're there. They're behind us. They they just issued another statement. Mm-hmm. that, uh, But they wanted to get rid of the problem. Mm-hmm. We haven't even gotten to that point they're in not the, the legal problem. cases, right? They're not the problem. Exactly. They're not the problem. So you're spending time with lawyers and not doing journalism. You're being targeted continually online. You're appealing to Facebook. Have you met with them since you've been here? Yes. I do and- see some forward movement. Who have you met with there? Um, oh my gosh, so many. I mean, again, I, I go back to... Have you met with Colin Stretch? Um, at one point. Or, yeah. Yeah. But for me, there's a group that does the things I like, which is the takedown of these yeah. kind of terrorist networks. Right. Right? Chris That's Cox. the way I look at it. Yes. Yeah. And it's hard to know what to say and what not to say, right? What part is underneath our NDA that we're working with? Right, I them? get it. And how, what part can I talk about? I think right. on the big picture front, they're still not doing enough. Right. And they know What would that. you want them to do? Oh, my God. It's very clear. Give me a list. The data is there. Take down the networks. Take down the terrorist networks. Mm-hmm. Restore order. Be the gatekeepers, right? Why, again, this this idea of letting lies live. If it's a lie, if someone is saying there are three bottles of water here, why even let that statement there? As journalists, one. <laughs> right? <laughs> but as journalists, right, right? We could we were the gatekeepers, and we didn't let lies get into the public sphere. Right. And I think that at some point, the technology platforms are going to have to deal with that. They 100% are. You saw the interview I did with him. Holocaust deniers don't mean to lie. Which, again, I don't know me. where to go from there. Right. Like, I was like, what? Like, what? Stop. Like, are you kidding me? But this quit is Quit right now. I literally, that's what I was thinking in my head. You need to quit. I need to get you out of this but job. But I think Mark like, needs I to go to Myanmar. He needs that's to right. go to the Philippines. Or go he there. needs to go to Myanmar. This is the damage. These are people's lives. And when I tried to bother him about, I'm so angry right now. When I tried to say, how do you feel about the impact of your invention? I couldn't get an answer. That I, Then you have to go there and feel the impact of what you've done. Because I don't think they get that. That I don't think. I think there's a real disconnect. I think on, they understand that I could go to prison because of what they didn't do. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. So let's finish up on that. So what happens now? You are going back to the Philippines, although I wish you would not. I I have a company. Right. I have a team that is working right. every are day. Are you worried for your safety besides going to prison? You know, let's you take it another <laughs> step. I mean, I'm sorry to bring it up, but this is a murderous thug who's running your country. I... You know, you, you prepare for the worst and you mm-hmm. hope for the best. Okay. And I think in this situation, one of the things for me, I've spent my entire career, 
my entire life. Mm-hmm. My life has been my career, mm-hmm. and I've spent it living according to this code, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're tested, you can't actually buckle. Right. You can't, because then right. you're not who you are. Right. And right. I think that's what this whole thing. So when I look for what is the ray of hope, mm-hmm. the ray of hope is that I know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, and my team knows who they are. Mm-hmm. Our mission is very, very clear. We're doing excellent work, and mm-hmm. we'll continue doing excellent, excellent work. work. And so there are possibilities you could be jailed indefinitely. Yeah. Again, the, the charges are so ludicrous, I almost say no, but, you know, Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter is in charge, so right. I, I have no idea. But I'm walking in knowing. It's like walking right. into a war zone, Right, right. You know what you're walking mm-hmm. into. And so they could prepared. jail you for the most recent, or the recent charge. It's a criminal charge. There are right. two criminal charges that I'm facing. You yourself personally are facing. Yes. Right. So you, they could jail you if they presumably under their kooky rules. Yeah, but think about it like this. It takes a decade. Again, they fast track the case against us. Mm-hmm. So power can do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but the other side of we have a whole community in the Philippines, mm-hmm. right? I want. Are people for you, too? Because what's happened, I think, is people become anesthetized to this by having this stuff That's thrown at them every day. And then they don't care. Like, I was thinking of Trump stuff. My mom, who is not pro-Trump, is suddenly like, oh, he's fine. Like, you know, I'm like, what? No, he's not fine. Like, what are you talking people about? People are tired. People right? are tired. Yeah. Like, and I, that's the danger I see more yes. than anything else. It's like they give up, they accept it, they hear the noise, and then they take the soma. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's correct. We're of the same generation. Right. Um, yeah. I think that, um, and this is part of the reason I continue to be vocal. Mm-hmm. And there are these moments, right? In January this year, when the government tried to revoke our license, mm-hmm. it was a moment. It was a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. Um, and we felt the community, not just in the Philippines, but global. Right. The government forgets I spent 20 years of my life working mm-hmm. for an international news group. Um, and that response also surprised the government. And I think that was part of the reason things pulled back. Pulled back. Right. Um, this time around... I hope saner heads prevail, mm-hmm. you know, because— Are there I f- saner heads around, Duarte? Government is is not monolithic, right. and I have to believe True. there are. There are good men and women in the Philippine government and in the justice system. Well, I just interviewed Sally Yates, who's a personal hero of mine. She's amazing. See? So, but she was so, fired. Well, yeah. So I, I guess part of it is I want these moments— Career Justice Department official who did nothing but great work, fired— and yeah. that's the yeah. So yeah. that's the that's what power can do, I guess, right? right? Yeah. But in in the end, do you go back to we elected him, right? You know right. how did that happen? And I guess that goes back to mm-hmm. where are we? Is there a chance that he could lose elections, or is the fix so in that he creates a career? You know, there's a point where you had thirty some years of Marco. These things, ultimately, let me just say, all you dictators, you ultimately end up in a drain pipe begging for your life and then dying. You end up Ceausescu. You end up Hitler in the bunker. You end up—that's where the end is for all of you, as far as I can tell. Like, you know what I mean? History does spin forward in that regard. And so no matter what, you end up in the drain pipe. That's, I just think of Gaddafi. I think of, like, all of these these dictators. But I think here's the difference today. I think that the technology— that can now be used by digital longer. authoritarians. Right? Right. Imagine, uh, there's a report by uh, Freedom House that just came out this month, mm-hmm. digital authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at China, they've actually focused on China. We've been well, talking they've been a lot about Russia. Decades. Right. But they showed that China is giving this digital authoritarianism and sharing it with other governments. So if you think about Russia as B to C, mm-hmm. 
China is B to B, right? So right. I think very this quick putting it. right this right. time period is very different. That mm-hmm. is part of the reason yes, we have, cannot well, be complacent. Hence, why I wrote in the Times they have weaponized that. everything. They have weaponized the First Amendment. They have amplified and weaponized, and and they are digital arms dealers. That's what I you know what I mean. That's correct. what I called them, and they got furious. And I was like, what, the truth hurts? Like, this is what you've done. I think they have to move into the real world. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, again, if you look at that Times investigation, they think that this is still a game of business. Mm -hmm. It is the world, Mm -hmm. right? Move fast, break things. You can't break the world. Mm -hmm. And you need to fix it when you're the only one who has the power to do it. Mm -hmm. If if, If these social media platforms wait for government, countries like us... Every day that no action is taken, people die, mm-hmm. and they need to. It's take too soft here. They're only seeing they're seeing soft changes here, like the decimation of the environment, or et cetera, et cetera. They have to come visit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is part of the reason I kept said, I kept telling Mark, you know, come to the Philippines mm-hmm. because we drank the Kool Aid. Mm-hmm. We are a Facebook nation, mm-hmm. and. I hope now they realize that they have to help protect us. I think one of the biggest things where I knew we were in trouble was early on in early 20, July 2016. I said, look, look at these attacks against me. And they said, you're a public figure. But guess what? In the real world, our constitution, like the U.S. Constitution, has protection for journalists because mm-hmm. of the jobs that we do. Mm-hmm. That wasn't encoded into Facebook's never rules and regulations, right? So I think that's part of the thinking. But again, to be optimistic, I think they recognize this and have hired some of these real world people Mm -hmm. who can help. And I hope they do it quickly because it's not just the business. It's not just your reputation in the United States. It is a whole world. Yeah, that's why I said the expensive education of Mark Zuckerberg. Like that was the whole point. Like take a course on Socrates and Plato and then get back to me. Perhaps a little Hamiltonian (laughs) lessons or whatever. Just go through the Franklin. Like quick. We'll do like, we'll do a quick uh, course on these, the humanities. I was surprised by Sheryl Sandberg. Yeah. You know, and the way she was portrayed in the Times. Why is that? Tell me. I mean, it's certainly different from Lean In Mm -hmm. and from, you know, I, she was supposed to be a grown up in this. And, uh, and I guess, and that. You know what? We're going to get to her. We can get to her. I, so I think sure the difference Mark. here is, you know, will they will they realize they are now protecting the public sphere, or not forget protecting because they're not protecting it? Will they realize that they are now the guys who have to protect democracy? And what mm-hmm. does that mean for business? News groups. This is what I what I mm-hmm. said at ICFJ. News groups. We give up business gain to do these stories that are mm-hmm. bad for us. Mm-hmm. We do these stories that President Duterte is trying to shut us down for because mm-hmm. it is for the public good. Right. It has an impact on our business. Absolutely. Right. And we're willing to take that risk. Right. Last question. Your family must be like, do not go back. Because yeah. I think do not go back. Yeah, they're not pleased. But, you know, <laughs> you know, at CNN, so I, I would walk in. I was doing conflict reporting, right? So right. CNN was great. Yeah. They had somebody assigned to take care of my mom. Mm-hmm. So she wouldn't call me. Uh-huh. Mom, I hope you're not listening. Uh-huh. But, you know, you, I don't know. Journalists what's are foolish. What's the personal toll? Oh, what's the personal toll? I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I mean, our team is exhausted. Right. Um, On all of you. All of us. But I think it's it's also made us stronger. When you're forged in fire... You know, it's a 
you come out stronger. Mm-hmm. So again, crisis and opportunity for me. Right. I think this is an opportunity mm-hmm. for us to help determine what the future will be like, not just for journalists, but certainly in the Philippines, we, we play a large role in that, right? Mm-hmm. And because no boundaries in nation states, now right. all of a sudden what's happening in the Philippines is impacting you here in the United States and vice versa. So, yeah, got to move. Yes, 100%. Maria, this is just so uh, important. It's super important. I'm glad you talked to me. Uh, I'm glad you're holding the line. I think Facebook has to hold the line. Agree. And I'm going to make them. Please. No, (laughs) I'm going to make them. Anyway, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. You're a huge inspiration to all of us journalists and I think everybody, everybody around. And whatever you're doing is being done by journalists around the world, Um, not just here. Uh, We heard from a lot of people, all kinds of things. And this is important work. And while journalism deserves a, a lot of... Criticism for lots of things, silliness and getting things wrong and things like that. In general, it's always trying to be better, um, which I think is the critical part. And we should all think about that as journalists, not to do it better as people do as, and as in what we do. Anyway, thank you all for listening. You can also find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher Maria. Where can they find you online and Rappler? Rappler is uh, at Rappler.com on Twitter. On, okay. on Facebook, it's Rappler. I'm Maria Ressa at Rappler. Okay, and at Twitter? Twitter at Maria Ressa. Okay, good. Now that you've done with this, go out and check our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this terrific episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.